How is everyone doing today? That is good. Hope you've been enjoying the great weather we were having this past week. It's really depressing when I start thinking, man, it's August 14th. That means we're getting closer and closer to winter. But let's not think about that. Let's, you know, let's enjoy, enjoy the season that we are in at this moment in time, which is great. It just seems that summer goes by so quickly and winter takes so long to, for it to go away. But, uh, well, I am, uh, yeah, yesterday, I, unfortunately, I, I've had this cough for the last, well, I've had it for weeks, and so I took a couple of days off trying to get rid of it. I haven't quite gotten rid of it, so uh, I might have to mute myself at a couple of moments if I, if I start coughing, but just bear with me on it. But I, so I spent yesterday uh, just doing very little, trying to just rest which gave me a great amount of time just to be able to spend some time with God and to be quiet with him, listen to some different things, and really try to have his heart for, for this morning. Not that I don't do that always, but I just, I really felt God wanting us to speak about our identity in him today. And it, it's so important because, you know, we talked, last time I was speaking, I was telling us that, you know, we could reach in the next 11 years over a million people if all we did is every year each of us disciple one person to know Jesus and teach them to do the same. One person. We lead one person to Jesus and teach them to lead one person to Jesus. And every one of us does that with one person a year. We will, just this church, just this group of people, will reach over a million people in 11 years. And so um, if I say a million people, it sounds impossible. But I should tell you one person a year. Hopefully that sounds possible. And if we know who we are and who Jesus is and what he's done for us, it becomes even more possible because it's not about us doing it in our own strength and our own ability. It's us partnering with God partnering with the Holy Spirit and letting God lead us to people, letting God show us what to do and doing it. It's actually allowing him to lead that process. It's amazing. We don't have to be the ones, okay, God, I got to do this for you. We do it with him, him being the one in charge. But this comes down to a question of faith. Do we have faith that God wants to advance his kingdom? And do we have faith that God will use us to advance his kingdom? So as I was, as I was looking at stuff for today, I really felt God lead me back to just some of the core values that we have at LifeHouse. And these are all on our website. You know, you can go and find them there. They're quite extensive if you click on them with just different scriptures behind them and things along these lines. So there's two that I want to focus on today. And that is the core values of salvation creates for us a joyful identity and that God's kingdom is advancing. I'm not going to read out all the scriptures with this because if you go on our website, all the scriptures are there to, you know, to be able to look at, study in depth. So for the sake of time today, I'm not going to cover all those different things. But I, I do want to start with Matthew 28 verses 19 to 20. And Matthew 28, it's Jesus. He's about to go. He's come back. You know, he's, he's died. He's risen from the grave. He's been spending time with his disciples. He's about to go back 
you know, to be raised up to heaven. And he gives this command to his disciples. He says to them, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. Well, that command wasn't just for them. They started that process. But if we are disciples of Jesus, this command is for us. Because he said, here, I'm giving you this command. Teach those that you've taught to go and do the same. So this is as valid for us today as it was for those 11 disciples that Jesus was talking to at that point in time. And so may we take this seriously and go, okay, Jesus has said to us that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. He's with you. Uh, the Bible Project has a great video, 10 minutes long, explaining this concept of an age. I really would encourage you to go on the, their website is thebibleproject.com. You know, there's amazing, they're just these like seven to 10 minute videos that explain concepts in, you know, so that we get a proper biblical understanding of what's being said here. So I'm not going to go into all that, but I really encourage you, do a bit of homework, look at that thing. What does an end of an age mean? Because the very simple thing is, is, is an age is just like a period of time. This wasn't saying that the, this age ended at a, at a particular time. The age that we're in, in a biblical terms, is this age between the, the Jesus ascending to heaven and Jesus returning again. That's the age we're in at this point in time. And so he's with us in this age. <laughs> now, I just want to remind you of something Ashish taught us a few weeks ago. I said this last, reminded us again because it's so important. It's this thing about faith. And that faith is not static. It leads to choices, and those choices lead to actions. Faith is not a mental activity. It's an experience. Faith is based on reason. It's not blind. And that faith is being open-minded to Jesus. So as I read these different core values, and we talk about them this morning, may we filter them through faith and put faith in them. Amen? Okay. First of all, I want you to have faith that God is going to use you this year to lead somebody to Jesus. Just at the moment, just stop for a second and actually allow that. Like, do you believe that? You believe that? Okay. Then let's, you know, say that to God. Like, God, I believe that you will use me to lead someone to you this year. Amen? Say it with me. Jesus, I believe that you will use me to lead someone to you this year. Awesome. Good. You know, it's one of these things that this is, this truth, th these are truths we've got to speak to each, to ourselves over and over and over again, that they become just a, a, a way of our thinking, that we're, that we're looking, that we're open to the opportunities that God would give us. 
So, the first part that I'm going to read is the first part of these core values about salvation creates a joyful identity. This thing of identity is so that Jesus has won the absolute victory. That we are forgiven and freed from the enemy's power of sin, sickness, lies, and torment. Now we live in the power of righteousness, healing, truth, and joy. Now, I want to say what this core value is not saying. It's not saying that no Christian should ever be sick. I have a cough right now. I am sick. It's not because of my sin or something along those lines. I'm not a bad Christian because I'm sick. It's that that doesn't define me. You know, it's not like, oh my goodness, the enemy has victory in my life because I'm sick. It's that actually the truth is that the victory over my life in every area of my life belongs to Jesus. You know, that he has absolute victory. The kingdom, so I say there's these two core values of salvation creates a joyful identity and that God's kingdom is advancing. So my identity is, is rooted in the fact that Jesus has won absolute victory. That we are, that, you know, we are. So I am, you are. If you are, have given your life to Jesus, you have been forgiven and freed from the enemy's power of sin, sickness, lies, and torment. Now we live in the power of righteousness, healing, truth, and joy. The kingdom value of this is that God is big and victorious, that the devil is small and defeated, and that we are in a battle, but the outcome of that battle is not in doubt. God's kingdom is advancing. It's advancing. Jesus has already won. While Jesus has already won, we know from Scripture that the prince of this world is Satan, still, right? We are not living in the new heaven and new earth. There is still, he still has power here and has influence here. And based on statistics, he has influence over 97% of the population of the Canada because only 3% statistically are actually born again believers in Jesus. But at the end of the day, we know how the story ends. That Jesus has already won that victory, and the only reason the enemy still has power is because people are giving it to him. And it's the same in our lives, right? We have to be able to stand on the truth of what Jesus has done for us and who we are in Christ. You know, there's, there, we've been spending this last year learning about the fruits of the Spirit and the importance of us living in things like you know, righteousness, peace, joy, in love, you know, getting rid of anger and malice, getting rid of, of, of things that are of our old nature, you know, as, part, as believing the truth that what Jesus has done for us has brought victory into our lives. I don't know about you, but all these things that it says that we're freed from, I experience. I, at times I sin, at times I get sick, I am, the enemy fills my head with lies and torments me at different times. And we are in this battle, but it comes down to, do we believe that because that happens, the enemy's winning? Because what we believe, what, where we put our faith is really important. Because yeah, the enemy's going to try to trip us up. 
He's going to come with lies to us. He's going to come to torment us with different things. He may come with sick. We may get sick. He may come with temptations of sin. But who are we and who is Jesus? Because who we are will define how we will act. What do we believe? If I believe the enemy's powerful, I'm going to give in to sin. If I believe the enemy's more powerful, I'm going to give in to the lies. If I believe his lies, if I believe his torment, then I will let him torment me. But if I believe that Jesus has absolute victory, then I'll do what it says in Ephesians and I will stand firm. I'll stand firm in the faith. I'll stand firm going, no, you know, regardless of the lies that are coming into my head, regardless of how the enemy is coming against me, Jesus is victorious. Jesus, I worship you. I worship you. I'm going to resist what the enemy is doing so that he will eventually flee from me. Because whatever it is, the lie that I may be believing, the torment that I may be experiencing, the sickness that I may have, you know, the, the, the sin that I may have just committed, that does not define who I am. What defines who I am is Jesus and what he's done for me and the fact that I am an adopted child of God. Which brings us into the next part of this core value that salvation creates joyful identity. And that is that we are adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus. We've been adopted into God's family and commanded to help others to be reconciled with the Father and come home. You have been adopted into this family because of what Jesus has done. You voluntarily have been adopted into this family. This family of believers, not just Lifehouse Church, the global family of all those that believe and follow Jesus. That's part of your identity. That's part of your identity. Part of who you are. And as an adopted son and daughter of God, brother and sister of Jesus, you know, you are, you know, to be that salt and light into the world and inviting other people to come and be part of that family as well. If you mess up things along those lines, it's okay. Because it's a family of grace and forgiveness. But it's a family that's constantly being formed into the image of Jesus. I gave a definition a few weeks ago, or last time I spoke, yeah, which was a few weeks ago. Spiritual formation is a process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. You are being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's part of your identity. Your identity you now identify with Jesus, not with, not with the ways of the world, not with the things of this world, not with the priorities of this world, but with God and his priorities. You're being formed into Jesus' image for the sake of others. You know, the wrong false teaching that's out there is that it's all about us. And we live in a society that is individualist-focused. So we think everything is all about us. And you, we don't even realize how much that thinking sometimes has actually affects us. We don't, you know, that we, how much that our schooling, our TV, our everything that we listen to culturally... Every, the inputs that are coming at us all the time is all saying, you are your own God. It's all about you. But it's actually not all about you. It's about, 
It's about being, you know, do you benefit from it? Absolutely. But the end benefit isn't you. It's for the sake of others. Jesus laid his life down for others. The one that we are following is one that died at the cross so that, so that we would be reconciled with God. What did he say to his followers? Pick up your cross and follow me. Die to yourself. What did he say? He said that, you know, unless one dies, there's no harvest. There's nothing, you know, but a seed that falls into the ground and dies, it produces a, it produces a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. Being a Christian is, about not, is not about you living your best life now. It, it's not, you know, it's not about you at all. It's, it's about, you know, we, do we benefit? Yes. But we've, we don't understand Jesus if we live, if we stop it living for ourselves. If we're thinking it's about us and our benefit, and we're confused when we're not benefiting, then we've missed the point. It's for the sake of others. You live to be a light to this world. We're here to transform this world. God, he's big and victorious. I already read that one. Although the, the kingdom value here is although we will experience resistance and conflict as the kingdom advances, we expect the culture to be changed as people come to salvation and take their place in God's purpose for this world. Why would I, God put on my heart to talk to us about us saving one person a year and a million people in this coming to Jesus over the next 11 years? Because, you know, you keep doing that math and, and you save a nation over the next 15 to 20. Right? A, a nation. A million people coming to know Jesus. Why? Because as people are changed, we, we have the wrong way of thinking at times. And it's like, well, if we could just get all the non-Christians to behave like Christians, like let's pass laws that gets them to behave like Christians. You know, they, we want our values, you know, to be the values that are, that are represented in this world. Wouldn't it be amazing if all the non-Christians just, you know, had our values? No, it wouldn't be amazing. Because they, 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 they still don't know Jesus. They're not living in the benefits of the kingdom. But the, the values of this, of this world will change if we live those values and teach others to do the same because they've given their life to Jesus, right? If you want to end abortion, get people saved, right? If, if, you, want, if you want the direction of the country, the school system, the things along those lines, get people saved. That's the, that is the answer. And that takes us, you know, being willing to put ourselves out there, you know, to make the connections, to share our lives, to share truth, you know. And and when I was a social worker, there was a truth, especially working with 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 um, you know people that had been really gone through a lot of difficult things, is you had to listen. Like you know, you'd have ninety percent of your time was listening and just listening to be able to say 10%. So for you to, for you to bring people to Jesus, 
I mean, God may bring someone to you that's just ready to hear it right there, right there, that moment, but then it's about investing in their lives, right? It's about walking alongside. It's about going, okay, I'm going to invite this person into my life and disciple them. Discipling isn't something that's done over, you know, it's not like, hey, come to church and that's how you get discipled. Come to church where we can encourage, build up one another, and then go out there and do the work of the kingdom. But every single one of us is called into full-time ministry. Every single one of us. It doesn't mean that's where your paycheck comes from. It means that we are always, we're living this every moment of every day. It should inform who we are as Christians. We shouldn't live one way during the week and another way when we're around our Christian friends. Right? It should be the same everywhere. At work, in school, with our friends. It's the only way this world gets transformed. At the same time, part of your identity is that you are a joyful servant, a trusted friend, and a beloved child of our Lord. Isn't that awesome? You're a joyful servant. He is the master. We are the servants. We need to understand that relationship. He is in charge. We are not in charge. He is not that interested in our plans. You know, really not. He's really, he's, no, it's not about, God, this is what I want to do. Will you please bless it? That is not, that's not how God works. God is, hey, will you come and know what I want to do and partner with me? And I'll bless that. He's in charge. He's the king. He is the Lord. We are not. And you never will be. Never will be. He is in charge. So we are joyful servants because we serve a good master who loves us, who cares for us, who's interested in us, who's created us uniquely with gifts and talents and abilities. Man, he loves us so much. And so we can joyfully serve a king that is not there to to, um, be a dictator, but who is the master and who is in charge, but absolutely loves you and, and, and wants the best for you. Isn't that awesome? The more you get to know Jesus, you become his trusted friend. He can share the things of the kingdom with us. And we're beloved children of our Lord. So we're these servants, yet beloved children. Servants, but beloved children. It's pretty amazing. You know? Like I was saying, as believers, we are all in full-time ministry. As God advances his kingdom into every area of society, our work and efforts both inside and outside the church, are sacred and valuable acts of worship to God. Do you think of your work that way? Do you think of the chores that you have to do at home? Do you think of going to school as a valuable, sacred act of worship to God? Yet if we will, right, if we'll do that, then we'll be ready for whatever God wants to do at that moment in time. If doing the dishes is a sacred and valuable act of worship to God, that as you're doing it, then he can be like, hey, can you pray for this? Would you pray into this thing? Can I just bring things to mind? Yeah, God, you know, just worship, you know, or be able to worship him at that moment. If we see our jobs as an act of worship to God, then in that moment, then when we're working, we can be highly aware of what God's doing around us and what he wants to do, what he wants to accomplish in the people around us. We can be aware of him speaking to us about someone, aware 
of, oh, you know, here's an opportunity for me to encourage, aware of a word that he wants to deliver to someone, or aware of the person he brings to us that day that he wants, that he knows is ready to hear the truth about him. We are new creations, not merely sinners saved by grace, but saints who have been given his righteousness so we can partner with our Father God. I'll say it again. We are new creations, not merely sinners saved by grace, but saints who have been given his righteousness so we can partner with our Father God. That's who you are. You have been made new, it says. You have been washed clean. You may not always act that way, but you don't have to stay in that place. You have been made new. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were someone that needed to be saved by grace. But if you've given your life to Jesus, you have been saved by grace. Your identity is not in who you were before. Your identity is a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. That's who you are. That's who you are. You're a new creation. You've been made new. He loves you. He's for you. His Holy Spirit has come to dwell with you and empower you to live like Jesus as that new creation. He's the one that's changing you. He's the one that's refining you. He's the one that's bringing about change in your life. And the great thing is, is that you lead other people to Jesus and disciple them. You teach them this. And then Jesus does the work in their lives. It's not dependent on your ability. It's dependent on your surrender to him. Surrender to him. And here, we believe and live the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is an incredible prayer. I grew up Catholic, going to Catholic school, said the Lord's Prayer every day. And I end up switching the different versions, the one that I grew up with. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, forgive us this day, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. That's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. That thing, God, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We don't go to heaven and suddenly become in charge. Right? God's perfect will is being done in heaven. His, God's perfect will will be done on the new, in the new heaven and the new earth. So when he taught his disciples to pray that, when he taught us to pray that, God, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see his reign over our lives, over this world, over people. That his perfect ways would come about. But that comes by the nations being discipled. That comes as we believe, you know, the truth. As we, in faith, how did Jesus, how did Jesus' disciples, I mean, Jesus had a perfect track record, right? Anyone that came to Jesus to be healed was healed. His disciples, not so much, right? So if every time you pray for someone, what you pray for doesn't happen, that's okay. You're in good company, you know? You're in good company. Happened, happened to the best of them that we see recorded in Scripture. But what did Jesus say to them when they'd be like, why did this not happen? He'd say, because you don't have faith. 
because you don't have faith. So when I go back to that definition of faith, and I say it's not static, it leads to choices, and those choices lead to actions. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit's with you? If so, there's going to actions you're going to take. Do you believe that God's going to use you to transform this nation by leading people to Jesus? If so, there's actions you're going to take. You know, faith is not a mental activity. It's an experience, which means we're not sitting and reading and sitting at home and, and getting a mental, like, oh yeah, good. Look, I've studied this and I understand this, but not doing anything. We're meant to do. We're meant to do. It's It's action. We're meant to be the salt and light to the world around us. We're meant to take action. If we believe truly the Holy Spirit's with us, if we believe we're new creations in Christ, if we believe, then if we are a Bible-believing people, then we have to believe that the gifts of the Spirit are to flow through us. And if we believe that in faith, then we need to take action with that. And when we don't see what we pray for come about, we go back to God and say, okay, what happened there? Was I, you know, and if we don't believe that God speaks to us, then we're going to have a problem there too, right? We've got to believe that God speaks to each and every one of us because it's what we see in scripture. Scripture is stories about a bunch of people that all spoke to God and God spoke back to them. All of Jesus's disciples, they, they know, after he died and rose to heaven, all, all the ones that we see, all the letters are people talking about their interactions with God. So we need to have faith for that for ourselves. We need to believe. It is unbiblical to believe that God does not talk to you. Right? And if you believe he only talks to you through scripture, that's also unbiblical. Right? He talks to each and every one of us. It may be in different ways. And does he speak to us through scripture? Absolutely. Absolutely he does, but it's not the only way that he speaks to you. He wants a direct and intimate relationship with you. Direct and intimate relationship with you. If you don't have it, it's not because you're deficient or that he doesn't love you or doesn't speak to you. It's just you haven't, op- haven't opened your mind to how Jesus may want to talk to you. So that thing about faith being open-minded We've got to have our hearts and our minds open that God will speak. Again, I never hear an audible voice. It's not like, you know. But I I hear him speaking in in my mind, in my heart, this thing we will call conscience. There's all kinds of different ways. It's just, you know, the best way that I teach people or has been taught to me and I teach others to your God, it's like, okay, ask God something and what's the first thing that comes into your mind? And if... If it's negative, it's probably not from him. Letting him speak. Letting him speak. Because it's in these things, right, that we would allow God, it's us opening ourselves up to the true experience of the Spirit of God. True experience of the Holy Spirit working through each and every one of us, us truly rising up as the children of God, not just a mental exercise. So here's the important thing. You're going to forget everything I've said. 
According to science, within 24 hours, you will forget the majority of what I said. And if you don't, everything, you know, if, if you'll remember whatever you put into practice. The only things you're going to remember from today, if I ask you what I preached on next week, here's what will typically happen. That was a great sermon. Oh, amazing. What did you like about it? Oh. That's okay. I'll probably forget what I said if I don't go back and make the notes or don't put it into action. So don't feel that. I'm just saying the, the reality is, is, is being spoken to like this. I'm hoping it inspires something in your heart, but it, it'll make you to take action. You know, and, and you start putting something in practice. One of those actions, go to our website, look at those, look at those core values, read the scriptures by them, right? These things that I just read. You know, start, start going, these core values, man, I'm always cautious about terms like, well, core values and things like that. But really core values, what they are? What is an, what is an ideal Christian? What, is, what does the Bible say that we're meant to be? And this is what this describes. You know, this is how we're meant to live. And all of this is just simply drawn from Scripture. And so, if we are going to be a people, you know, we can complain about the direction the world is going. We can sit there and lament what we see in the news. We can lament decisions that governments are making. We can lament the state of the world and do nothing. And I know that's not how you want to be. I don't, it's not how any of us want to be, Right? And sometimes we don't know what to do. But it's really actually easier than we think if we'll keep ourselves open to God. The devil is small, but don't underestimate his influence. There's 97% of the people around you, which means 97% of the media you're consuming, 97% of the movies you're consuming, 90% of the podcasts, whatever, whatever you do, 90% of the to- 97% of the time, the stuff coming into your mind is not coming from God as you go out into the world, right? Don't underestimate the power of that. And it has power because people have given it power. Our job is not impossible, though. It's one person this year. One person this year. One more person that starts waking up from the fog of this world Seeing Jesus for who Jesus truly is and living for the kingdom. One person that you impact with your life. One person. And we begin to see the change. And we begin to move forward. And this world takes another step towards the God's kingdom advancing in it through you. If we do nothing, what will happen? Well, the other kingdom will keep advancing because our faith is greater in that kingdom advancing than it is in God's kingdom advancing. One person, each and every one of us, we do that for 11 years. Man, you know, if we do that for that, it would literally be 10% then of the population of this region that would know Jesus. That's a totally different statistic, isn't it? Totally different. Well, let me pray for us. (laughs) Lord, I pray we would have faith 
that you would use us that we would to to reach this this nation that you've sent us to you've brought us from nations all around the world to this place where we can freely share the gospel without fear of being killed without fear of being jailed we can share the truth about you teach us to do it in love May we remember how loved we are by you and that it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. May we represent that, that fruit of the Spirit, kindness, of patience, of joy, as we go out into this world and let your light shine through us. And may we have faith that you will use us to impact and change this world. Amen. And so, Jesus, we need to know who that person is. So show us, open our eyes in this next little while to find that find that person that we can connect with and bring and start that one million. Woo! I'm inspired. Okay. Um, so thank you guys for being here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks um, as well for that word. And join us at the back today. Let's connect a little bit. Let's chat it up a little. Um, there's coffee, there's cookies, and please don't forget your children. Okay. <laughs> All right. Be blessed. Take care. <laughs>